The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, again, welcome to another episode of Gunsmoke. This is Buck Benny speaking. We're also going to, of course, have the six-shooter as well today. Uh, first, we're going to play the six-shooter episode because it stars uh, Richard Beals, and Dick Beals is one of those actors that I just love very much when he's on anything and I have a just a couple minute clip here from an interview that Chuck Shane did with him uh, in 1998 and I, I think it's fun to hear Dick Beals talking about his um, radio history a little bit and give you a little insight into the the what he could play in radio I think he says he can play girls and boys from anywhere from like three-year-olds all the way up to 15-year-olds was his kind of his thing and it's just neat to hear him talk a little bit about that give us a little insight so i'll switch over to his interview in just a second but all i thought i would say about gunsmoke it is written by les crutchfield and les crutchfield writes these next he wrote last week's episode he's writing this week's episode he writes next week's episode so he's the first writer in this early part of Gunsmoke to have three scripts in a row. They've been kind of rotating their writers through. They've had about a dozen writers so far on the 20-some episodes we've had, I guess 25 episodes we've had so far, and they've never had more than two in a row. Um, John Meston did a couple in a row. I think he's the only one. Other than that, it, it would just flip around as to who was doing them. Um, so it's kind of, and Les Crutchfield has done the most so far. He was done, I think, five so far, and then these three will be eight that he's done out of the first 30 episodes or something. So pretty close to a third of, of the episodes he'll have done by the time we get done with these three episodes in a row. Anyway, I um, hope you're going to enjoy both shows. They both have good sound. They're both really nice episodes. Les Crutchfield always does a great job with his writing. And, of course, on uh, The Six Shooter, he does a wonderful job. And whenever you get a chance for Richard Beale to be mixed in with uh, Jimmy Stewart, you're going to have a really good episode. So I hope you're going to enjoy this episode of The Six Shooter as well. And without further ado, let's get into our little two-minute clip of Richard Beale's. If you want to hear the whole thing, you just go over to Speaking of Radio and go to Richard Beale's and... You'll get to hear, I think it's an 18-minute interview that, that uh, he did with him in 1998, which is pretty cool. So, anyway, let's turn it over to Richard Beals. My first job was uh, Dr. Christian. Uh, the assistant director, uh, Neil Reagan, President Reagan's brother, was the director. Uh, but uh, Ted Robertson used to spend a little time in Detroit, so he knew the Lone Ranger people. 
and uh, he gave he was the casting director on that, and he gave me a shot. And uh, he also was nice enough to cast it with the biggest names in Hollywood: Ginny, Greg, Hal March, Bob Sweeney, John Daner. Uh, it was just tremendous. I didn't know who these people mm-hmm. were, except I recognized their voices. But actors talk, and pretty soon uh, the word got around. But I had a break, uh, an advantage, not a break. Uh, Jeff Silver and Sammy Og were the kids that were pretty busy then. Their voices were starting to change a little bit. And the directors hated to call the mothers to bring their little boys down. The mother was always there, the stage mother. Now they could hire a college graduate, a professional with good training, that could do any age they wanted, boy or girl, mm-hmm. three years old, up to 15. And uh, I got very popular very quickly. I was doing every radio and radio show in town in, oh, within two months. That's terrific. It was. It was, uh, it was just so exciting to me to, to work with Dick Powell on Sam Spade. I mean... And uh, I'd never heard... Howard Duff on Sam Spade. It was Dick Howard Powell Duff. What is Richard Dick? Diamond. Richard Diamond. <laughs> and again, that was Ginny Gregg that uh-huh. told the director oh, about yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And because uh, she worked that original show on Dr. Christian. So you spent a lot of time from the late 40s, now early 50s, in all these radio things. Did you ever have any recurring roles on a, on a radio show as a, uh, as a youngster or a, a teenage boy or... Perhaps, no, uh, they were all different. Uh, I did maybe a hundred gun smokes, and mm-hmm. I was a different. I someone told me the other day that Yorkie was a character I did a couple times, but I don't even remember doing it. Mm-hmm. But no, the, every every time you got a call for a, a show, you had no idea what you're going to do until you got there. Well, you did some suspense, I believe. And, Many suspense and shows, and yeah. but that was all different. A lot of the CBS stuff uh, in the in the fifties, where they were turning mm-hmm. out really good. Good quality, uh, but radio. the script I have right here, I, mm-hmm. I did a lot of the kids' parts on the Fear McGee and Molly. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing a lot of Doctor Christians, a lot of Railroad Hours. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman, who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. I could tell he was a big man from the sound of his steps as he plowed through the trees toward where I was squatted by the fire eating my lunch. Finally came into sight. He's almost as broad as he was tall. With bright red hair and a great big thick mustache and kind of curled up at the corners. Well, he sure wasn't any cowhand. Not with those duds he was wearing. Long black coat and light yellow breeches. Looked like he'd been wearing them for quite a spell, too, though. Mud all over the pants and a tear in one of the coat sleeves. He seemed cheerful enough, though. 
The least the granny gave me was so broad it showed off practically every tooth in his head. Lots of gold there, too. Howdy, mister. Hello. Mind if I warm myself for a spell? No, no, no. Go right ahead. That sun just don't give off much heat. What time you make it, mister? Oh, about noon. Maybe a little later. I... Hey, that, that uh, grub sure smelled good, don't it? Are you hungry? Well, not hungry exactly. Starved oh, would be more like it. <laughs> <laughs> Why, well, you help yourself to what's left of the beans over there. Oh, thanks, mister. Thanks a lot. Uh, worked up quite an appetite since breakfast. Uh, they travel on foot, huh? Yep. Not from choice, understand. Uh, Not sure. from choice. Oh, yeah. Had me pony. Finest little roan you ever saw. I lost him, though. Oh, by George, those beans are tasty. Well, you, you, you lost your horse? Yep. Uh, Last night. Poker game over to Jackson. Oh, oh, poker. Oh, yes. Well, you're a gambler, huh? Well, the way the card's been running lately, I... I ain't so sure. Oh, I see. But if I had to go broke somewhere, I, I guess Jackson was as good a place as any. At least it's within walking distance, Clover Fork. Well, that's quite a walk. Well, I know it. I ain't got much further to go, though, have I? Mm, about 15 miles, I think. Well, I reckon I'll, I'll make it somehow. Uh, you acquainted with Clover Fork, mister? Some. I've been working on a ranch not very far from there. I usually get into town every week or so. That's where I'm headed now. Well, then... Uh, Maybe you can tell me where I'll find my family. My wife and son, that is. Their name's Proctor. What? Proctor? Well, they're still living in Clover Fork, ain't they? That's where they'd moved to last time I heard. Janet Proctor, that's my wife. Boy's called Ted after his grandfather. You know him, mister? Yeah. Yeah, I know Ted. Oh, I bet he's a whopper by now. Why, he... He must be... Hold on, let's see. He's going on 12 years old. Uh, he's... Good-sized boy, all right. And what about Janet, mister? She's still pretty. She used to be pretty as a picture when she was a girl. Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, ma Mrs. Proctor's dead. What? Yeah, she's, uh, I was over a year ago now, pneumonia. Janet? Dead? Yes, I'm very sorry, Proctor. I, uh... It's funny they didn't let you know about uh, it. I reckon they tried. I ain't an easy man to reach. I, I keep moving around. Yeah, well, to tell you the truth, I didn't realize that Ted's father was still alive. I sort of got the impression that you were dead. Uh, I mean, uh, that... Uh, poor Janet. She sure never had much of a life. It was my fault. My fault more than anybody's, I guess. But I... I just couldn't do no different. I tried to settle down, get a steady job. It didn't work out. Some men, some men aren't aren't meant to stay put. Yeah. Now, it wasn't that I, I really left her, you understand. At first, I used to come back whenever I had a winning streak and got some money ahead. And, and as time went on, I kept staying away longer and longer until, well, it's been seven, eight years now. She wasn't living in Clover Fork when I last saw her. She told me she was fixing to move there. Uh, I thought, sure, I'd be around this part of the country before now, but, hell, there always seemed to be another card game to keep me away. Mm -hmm. Well, I... Ted's I all right, I... you said, huh? Yeah, oh, yes, he's fine. Last time I saw him. Who's looking after him now? Well, your wife's sister. He's been living with her the last year. Amy? Where is she? 
Well, she's just a girl. Oh, she must be getting on to 30. 30. Well, ain't she married yet? No, no, there's talk, though. Fred Baker, he's a real nice fellow. He owns a ranch right outside of town. Well, how's Amy managing? She don't have no money. Well, I guess you didn't know it, but your wife had built up a pretty nice little dressmaking trade. Amy took it over. Woman folks say she's real handy with a needle. Uh-huh. Ted uh, does his part, too. Odd jobs after school, things like that. Oh, you'll be real proud of that boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I guess I'd better be moving along. Well, I'll, I'll just clean this kettle out with some sand here. I'd, I'd like to offer you a ride in the town, but my horse is losing a shoe. I don't think you could carry both of us. Oh, that's all right, mister. That's all right. Yeah, thanks for the grub. Oh, don't mention it. Don't mention it. Say, uh... Well, doggone it. I don't know your name, do I? Oh, it's Ponson. Not Britt Ponson. That's right. Well, I always figured I'd be meeting up with you someday way the both of us keep moving around. I'm real pleased to meet you, Mr. Ponsett. Oh, uh, my first name's Gus. How are you, Gus? Uh, before you shove off, I, I was wondering if you'd mind doing me a little favor. Hmm? As long as you'll be getting into Clover Fork ahead of me, would you... Would you stop off and tell Amy and the boy that... that I'm coming to see him for a day or so? <laughs> I think uh, maybe they kind of deserve a warning. Sure. Sure, I'd be glad to, Gus. Fred, it isn't fair. He's got no right to come here. Not after all this time. Well, Amy, he's Ted's father. He was Janet's husband, too. But that didn't make any difference to him. Nobody else ever made any difference. Now, all of a sudden, he remembers that he's got a son. Why didn't he ever think about Ted before? Now, now, don't get yourself all upset over it. He's only passing through. He'll just be here a day or so. That's what he said. What will it do to Ted? He thinks his father's dead. He would. Oh. I had to tell him something, Britt. When Janet was so sick, he, he got the idea that if his pa was here, she'd get better. I could hear little Teddy praying. Every night, he prayed that his father would come home. And when he didn't and, and Janet died, well, I I told him Gus was dead. I said that was why he hadn't come. And for all I knew, it was true. For all I knew, he was dead. Well, I'm not saying I blame you, Amy, but Proctor's on his way into town, so if you want to explain to Ted, why... He isn't even here. He had some errands he was going to do for me on his way home from school. I imagine he'll... Oh, that'll be Mrs. Peters. I promised her I'd have a dress ready for tonight, and it's barely started. Oh. Hello, Amy. What? What? Gus. You were expecting me, weren't you? Yes, but not yet. Not so soon. Britt said you wouldn't be here until later. Well, I made better time than I expected. A sodbuster gave me a ride in his wagon. Oh. Well, come in. Howdy, Mr. Ponsett. Nice seeing you again. Hi, right, Gus. My, my. You turned out real pretty, Amy. Have I? 
Well, uh, I think maybe I'd better be getting oh, uh, There's no reason for you to go, Bert. No, I have to get me a room for the night. Now, you and Gus have things to talk over. Uh, we don't have anything to talk about. Now, Amy, I know how you must feel. You but... don't know how I feel. You couldn't know. It wasn't pneumonia that killed Janet. When you left that last time and didn't come back. When she didn't even hear from you. That's what killed her. Well, I, I, I couldn't help myself, Amy. It, it wasn't that I didn't love Janet, but... Oh, go away, please. Leave us alone. Ted believes that you're dead. It's, it's better that way. He believes I'm dead. Oh, don't make him go through the same thing Janet did. Always wondering where you are. Always worrying about you. Let him go on believing you're dead. Amy, you shouldn't have... I'm home, Aunt Amy. Got the black thread you wanted, a piece of soft material, but... Oh, uh, hello, Teddy. Uh, you remember Mr. Ponset? Oh, sure. All right, Ted. Just fine, Mr. Ponset. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted, this is... Well, I reckon your aunt's forgotten my name, son. Can't say as I blame her, seeing as how we just met up. It's, uh, Parker. George Parker. I stopped by because I, I used to be a friend of your pa's. Well, Gus Proctor carried it off pretty well, too. Sounded real convincing. The only mistake he made was saying that he'd known Ted's father. Well, sir, that youngster cut loose with a whole parcel of questions. And from then on, Gus had, had a pretty hard time keeping up the pretending. He kept trying to leave, but it seemed that he just had to stay for supper. Ted wouldn't take no for an answer, and Amy, well, she had to go along with it. Finally, Gus agreed, but he made it plain that he wouldn't be staying in the Clover Fork overnight. Well, I went over to the hotel and got myself a meal and my room. Oh, Amy had invited me to supper, too, but I told her to make it some other time. After I'd eaten, I settled down in the lobby. The usual poker game was going on over in the corner. And so I sat around for a while. And then just as I was getting ready to go upstairs, I saw Gus come strolling in. Good evening, Britt. I was hoping you'd not gone to bed yet. Yeah, well, I sure was thinking about it, Gus. How was the supper? Oh, it was first rate, first rate. Amy's a real fine cook. She's a fine woman, too, Britt. She's done a good job with the boy. Well, I never heard anybody say otherwise. You, uh, you went on playing dead, huh? <laughs> uh, I must say, I wrote myself a mighty pretty obituary. <laughs> you did? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as Ted's concerned, he had just about the greatest father that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Why did you change your mind, Gus? Why didn't you tell him who you really were? Well, Amy was so set against it, and, well, I don't know, I, I figured maybe she was right. Ain't as if I was going to be with him or be hanging around town, but, uh, well... It's... Yeah? I... I did sort of promise to stay over another day. Oh? Well, the boy wants to go hunting tomorrow. It's Saturday. He don't have no school, and he ain't never been hunting with a man, Britt. I guess I owe him that much. Yeah, sure, sure. The, um... The only thing is, if I'm going to stay over... Well, I'll need me a little steak now. Now, I'm not asking for a loan, you understand? Well, not without offering security. Anyhow, you... You noticed my stick pin, didn't you? Yeah, 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 I noticed it. Well, it sure looks like a genuine diamond, don't it? Oh, it ain't, of course. It's just glass, but 
I've moved five. I've really fooled more than one jeweler with that pin. So if I wasn't to claim it back, well, you could always get more than five dollars for it. You wouldn't be out nothing. No, I don't know, Gus. Five dollars is a lot of money, you know. You'll have it back before morning. Mm-hmm. I will, huh? Sure, sure. You, you see that game over there in the corner? Yeah. Well, not one of them fellas knows the first thing about poker. You can tell from the way they're holding their cards. Maybe so, maybe so. I, I thought you said you were on a losing streak. Well, I was, I was until tonight. Now I got the doggondest feeling my luck has changed. Ted sure had his heart set on going hunting. All right, all right, all right, all right. Here you are. Here's the money. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. Here's the pin. Oh, you, you don't have to get No, sir, no, sir. A business transaction is a business transaction. I hear you take it. Uh, say, by the way, uh, what did you tell Ted about yourself? I mean, uh, about this George Parker you're claiming to be. Uh, oh, I said I was a no-good, no-count, roving gambler. Oh, I said you did, huh? Well, I had to tell him some truth, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess you did. Of the Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Well, Gus paid me back first thing next day. And he had a whole lot more than five dollars in his pocket, too. Plenty of silver and roll of bills. I guess his luck had changed, all right. He was all fixed up to go hunting when I saw him, wearing some new breeches and a flannel shirt carrying a couple of first-class rifles under his arm. I went about my business, picked up some parts for the pump on the Eagle J where I was working, and headed back to the ranch. It was almost a week later before I came into town again, new harness for the mules this time. I was kind of surprised to see Gus playing poker in the hotel lobby when I registered. I figured he'd probably moved on by now. He waved to me and went on with the game, and it looked like to me he was still winning. Well, I went upstairs to my room, started to clean up for supper. Come in. Oh. Howdy, Mr. Ponson. Well, how are you? Well, what can I do for you, Ted? I stopped by the hotel to see Mr. Parker, but he's busy. He said you were back in town, so... Well, I'd like to talk to you, Mr. Ponson. Sure, sure, go ahead. You're a friend of Mr. Parker's, ain't you? Well, more or less, I reckon. I think he's getting ready to leave Clover Fork, Mr. Ponsett. Oh? He, he told me he never stays in one place very long. Not more than a few days, usually. Mm-hmm. I'm going with him, Mr. Ponsett. When he leaves, I'm going along. Oh, he don't know it yet, but I've made up my mind. I ain't never had so much fun in my whole life as I have since he's come to town. We've been hunting and fishing, and he even let me play hooky from school day before yesterday so we could hire some horses and, and take us a ride out in the country. Oh, only don't you tell Annie. All right, okay. He must like me, don't you think? Well, it sure looks like it, doesn't it? He says he ain't got no family of his own. Well, I'll bet he gets lonesome. I'll bet he'd like having somebody with him. Well... He's just got to take me along. If he don't, I'll go anyway. I'll run away and I'll follow him. And I'll find him, too. Now, now, just hold on. Oh, it ain't that I don't appreciate what Annie's done for me, but, but I'm grown up now. I don't need a woman fussing and making me behave. 
I want to be like Mr. Parker. I want to move around and see lots of places the way he does. And I'll learn to be a gambler. I've watched him. I already know how to play poker. Some. Oh? Uh-huh. Well, most anybody can learn how to play it is learning how to win. That's a mite more difficult. Well, he never loses, Mr. Ponsett. There ain't nobody who can beat George Parker. Is that so? He's just about the finest man I ever met. Maybe not as fine as my pa was, but he's a friend of my pa, so pa must have thought good of him, too. Uh-huh. I ain't been able to ask him about letting me go with him. I'm scared he'll turn me down. Of course, it wouldn't make no difference if he did. Like I said, I'll go anyhow. But, well, would you ask him for me? I mean, would, would you tell him what I've decided? Well, don't you think maybe you ought to talk this thing over with your Aunt Amy? Oh, first? that'd be just a waste of time. I know what she'd say, but it wouldn't make no difference. Uh, all right, Ted. I'll ask Mr. Parker. I, I mean, I'll tell him what you decided. Well, I'll be doggone. So he wants to go off with me, huh? Well, I, I guess that proves something. Ted's my son, all right, and I guess maybe somewhere down deep inside, he knows it. Maybe so, guys, maybe so. I don't know why I never thought of it myself. Well, ain't no reason why I shouldn't take him. Oh, I, I sure don't know of any. Why not? When I was his age, I'd already left home. He, he'd just be following in my footsteps. Except in this way, I, I'd be around to look after him. Yeah, yeah, and he's a pretty big boy. He must have had some schooling by now, probably enough. More than likely. Oh, uh, well, now, I, I don't know about that. Well, uh, of course, it won't make much difference, Gus, uh, as long as he's going to be a gambler. What? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's that's what he's set his mind to being, a gambler. Well, he ain't going to be no gambler, Britt. You think I want Ted to have the kind of life I've had? You think I'm proud of myself? man wants his son to do better than he's done. Any man wants that. Of course he does. I... I could settle down, get a job again, make a real home for him. And then, then later on, I, I could let him know who I really am, that I'm his pa. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, that's just what I'll do. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> What's the use of trying to fool myself? I couldn't work steady or, or stay put. I... Uh, I couldn't do it for his ma. I couldn't do it for Ted. I'd be moving on inside of six weeks. Well, I... I guess it's up to me to lay down the law to him. You know, he's a real determined youngster, Gus. He told me he'd run away and follow after you no matter what. And I believe him. Oh, he, he'd come back to Amy soon enough. Hmm. You know, uh, you didn't come back when you were his age and you ran away, did you? Well, he ain't me, and he ain't going to make the same mistakes I did. Uh -huh. Well, maybe a good talking do will set him straight. But right now, you're his idol, Gus. Finest fellow that ever lived. Next to his dad, of course. He, he said that? That's what he said. Britt. Britt, I, I can't be nobody's idol. And I don't want nobody following my example. Least of all, my own boy. I, I, I'm getting out of town tonight. Right now. now you, you know, kids have pretty good memories, Gus. Some things they never forget. And some people, too. 
Even after you're gone, he'll still want to be like you. No, no, he won't. Not if I... Hey, hey look, it's it's still early yet. I, I'll have time for a couple of hands of poker before I go. You, uh, you don't... You don't play, do you, Britt? No, not very much. I, sometimes I kind of enjoy watching. There was a seat open when we got downstairs, and Gus moved right in. Boys sure were anxious to have him play, especially Bart Finch. He, seems he'd lost quite a bit during the last week, and he wanted a chance of getting some of it back. I stood by Gus's chair watching the play. He was just about holding his own the first few minutes. Then along about the fifth or sixth hand, I noticed he sort of tensed up. And that, that wasn't like him, not from what I'd seen of his poker plan. Gus was the dealer, and Bard opened the pot. They raised each other a couple of times, and the other players dropped out. And then it came to a draw. Bart tossed in two cards. And one of them kind of hit on edge and almost flopped over. I, I couldn't see what it was, though, not from where I was standing. Gus dealt Bart two fresh cards and drew to himself. And then everybody seemed to get kind of quiet. Bart made a $10 bet, and Gus raised him to 25 Bart came right back with another raise, and Gus upped it again. And, oh, that pot got to be about, oh, $300, I think. Whew. Well, finally, Bart called. All right, Parker. What do you got? Well, let's see. Looks to me like about two pair. Huh. Well, that just don't happen to be the full house. It might. It might. Hmm? You see, Finch, I got two pair of jacks. What? There you are. Four jacks. Keep away from them trips, Parker. Well, what's the matter? You're not cheating me out of this hand. You're talking crazy, Finch. Oh, listen to me, boys. I threw in two discards. One of them was a jack. There's only four jacks in the deck. Oh, he's, he's all mixed up. That, that must have been the last well, hand. Well, the discards. There's supposed to be four of them. Two from me, two from him. Yeah, now, what did I tell you, boys? Only three. He dealt himself my jack. That's how he's been winning all week, too. That's how he got our money. Well, you ain't going to cheat anybody else, Parker. Now, hold on, now. Take it easy, Finch. You stay out of this, Ponset. You put that gun away. I mean it, You Bart. ain't going to stand up for a crooked gambler, Britt. Now I'm fixing it so he won't ever... Now, now Russell, you sit tight. If there's going to be any more gunplay around here, somebody's going to get hurt. Except for you, Parker. You better get out of town and fast. And you better think twice before you come back, too. Don't worry, Ponset. I won't be coming back. <laughs> Hmm? Oh, oh, hello, Tad. I've been looking all over for you. It ain't true, is it? What they say about Mr. Parker? He didn't cheat at poker. He couldn't have. Well, I'm afraid that's how it looked. I don't believe it. I won't. He isn't that kind of man. He, he just isn't. Mm, they well... even say that, that you told him to leave Clover Fork and, and not to come back. That's right. Honest, Mr. Ponsett? That's what I told him, Tad. You mean it really happened, what I heard? happened all right. It's true. To think I wanted to go with him. I wanted to be like him. I must have been loco. Why, a man who cheats at cards, he's lower than a snake even. Mm -hmm. 
Well, maybe Mr. Parker had a reason for what he did. There couldn't be no reason. Not for something like that. I wish I'd never heard of him. And I don't think he was a friend of my pa's either. I don't think he ever knew Pa at all. Pa wouldn't have had nothing to do with a, with a skunk like him. Oh, I don't know about that, Ted. Well, I do. Uh-huh. Look, I... Uh, maybe you ought to head for home. Your Aunt Amy will be worrying about you, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, you bet. You know, Mr. Ponsett, I ain't never gonna leave her. Oh, someday you will. But not for a while yet. Not for a while yet, Ted. Well, it was plain as day that pulling a stunt like Gus did in that poker game, he was bound to be found out. Any card player would know that much, let alone a man who makes his living gambling. Of course, I told Amy what he'd done and why he'd done it. You know, he, he wanted to tear down that idol Ted had built up. And even feeling the way she did, well, she had to admit that maybe there was some good in him. She and Fred Baker, they're married now. So Ted's got a father to take him hunting and fishing. Everybody says Fred's as good to him as if Ted was his own son. I, I never have run into Gus Proctor again. But like he mentioned, we're both on the move most of the time, so it's more than likely we'll bump into each other someday. Anyway, I kind of hope so. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. What's the rush, Miss Kitty? Come on, sit down and have a beer with us, uh, Kitty. I'd love to, Matt, but I just stepped out for some thread. I gotta get back to work. Some thread? That sounds pretty domestic for you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's an occasion. I'm making a wedding dress. What? Oh, no, Miss Kitty, not you. Oh, my, no. Well, that isn't for me, Chester. Worse luck. <laughs> it's for Artist Nash. It's gonna be beautiful. If I say so myself. Well, if I ever need a wedding dress made, I'll sure come to you for it. Well, I'll be here, Matt. Let me know. See you later, boys. So long, Kitty. She's a, a fine girl, Mr. Dillon. Kitty? Oh, yeah, yeah, she's great. She's... Well, well look who's back in town, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. 
Frank Craig. Hello, Marshal. Uh, Frank, I never expected you to come back. I uh, don't know what to say to you. You might say welcome home. Yeah, I might. At least you're honest, Marshal. Sure. Where have you been for the last year? Out west. Wyoming, to be exact. And my sympathy for the peace officers of Wyoming. Man can change, Marshal. Grow up and get over his wildness and start to think about settling down. Some men can. Well, I'm one of them. I don't aim to cause any trouble, Marshal. Came back here to marry Artis and take her with me, that's all. You heard from her since you left? She's pretty as ever. She'll pass. Every man in Dodge was crazy about her. She was my girl from start to finish. Things can change, Frank. She's still my girl, Marshal. Ben Martin might differ with you. Ben Martin? Mm-hmm. That bullneck plowboy? He never had a chance in... What are you saying, Marshal? You don't aim to cause any trouble, you're saying, yet you just happened to roll into town three days before Artis is due to marry Ben. You're claiming you didn't know about it, huh? Artis wrote me a farewell letter, Marshal. It doesn't make any difference. Like I said, she's still my girl. She's not marrying Ben or anybody else. Not while I'm alive. Like I said, Frank, Ben may differ with you. I used to chase him home crying when we were kids. I don't think he'll chase that easy now. Ben took over the Circle Bar B. He's got 25 boys riding for him. He's a big man around here. Swings a lot of weight. Marshal, I said I wasn't looking for trouble, and I meant it. I came back here to get artists, that's all. If any man tries to stop me, I'll kill him. I'll see you, Marshal. Chester, see if you can find Ben Martin. Have you meet me over at the jail office. I thought he was a thousand miles away, Marshal. I didn't think he'd ever have the nerve to come back. Well, Ben, the two of you are bound to run into each other, so I figured you'd better know about it. Mm. What's he expect, Marshal? Artis forgot him a week after he left town. Does he expect to force himself on her? Maybe, you know, Frank. <laughs> For my money, he's a crazy half-wild saddle bum who should have been hung five years ago. He says he's settled down, though, Ben. He's not going to settle down here. Look, Ben, I don't like killings. Now hang on to that temper of yours. Sure, sure, I'll hang on to it, Marshal, just as long as Frank Craig stays clear of me and stays away from my girl. Otherwise, I tell you right ben, now, Marshal, I... Is that you? Artis. We're in here, honey. Come on in. Someone said you were here at the jail. Evening, Mr. Dillon. Miss Nash. I'm sorry if I interrupted anything, but... Ben, you know who's in town? Yeah, Frank Craig. That's what we were talking about, honey. He says he's come back for me. Take me away with him. What do you mean, he says, Miss Nash? He came to the house a while ago. He knew about Ben and me, that we were going to be married. But he came anyway. I sent him away. That does it, All Marshal. right, hold it, Ben. 
Now, there's no harm in him just talking to her. A man's got a right to protect what's his, Marshal. Protection's my business, Ben, and as long as I'm Marshal here, it'll keep on being my business. Now, in three days, you got a wedding coming up. I'd hate to see it ruined by a killing. I have nothing against Frank Craig, Mr. Dillon. I wouldn't want him killed. Neither would I. Well, good night, Miss Nash. Ben. Good night. Think it over, Ben. Don't lose your head. Yeah, sure, Marshal. I'll think it over. Keep on riding herd on Frank Craig, Mr. Dillon. Oh, just till he and Ben meet face to face and have their say, I guess. My, that Frank Craig sure is a fancy dresser. Silver spurs, red silk handkerchief, yellow boots. Well, now, here's the marshal right on the job. Hiya, Doc. Well, Matt... Now, here we got ourselves a nice little killing coming up. You hope we have, you mean? Oh, no, it's not the fee. It's a romance of the thing. Yeah, sure. Young man comes back in the West, sees girl, finds she's on the point of marrying somebody Chester. else. Hmm? Watch me for the play and keep me covered, huh? I don't know what you mean. Over there. Oh. Ben Martin and two of his boys, they just came in. I'm going to go over to the bar next to Craig. Now keep your head up. Yes, Mr. Dillon. Uh, you better give me some room, Doc. Well, how are you, Frank? Yeah, I saw him come in, too. You've been standing over there watching me for two hours. Now you come up and speak. I fight my own battles, Marshal. Frank, the way I'm playing it, there's not going to be a battle. Well, Ben, it's nice to see you. Marshal, I'd rather you weren't here. I guess you know that. Yeah, sure, I know that. Don't worry, Ben. Dylan's neutral. That still gives you three to one odds. What more do you want? Frank, we don't need you in this town. You were gone for a year and we got along fine. So if you climb on that horse of yours and ride out again, we'll still get along fine. My girl won't, Ben. You haven't got a girl in Dodge City, Frank. Sure I have. And I want to thank you for looking out for her while I was away. As far as she's concerned, you're still away. I might as well warn you, there are a couple of my boys on guard at her house armed with rifles. Ben, I never needed a guard to hold her. If you come within 50 yards, they got orders to kill you. You'll be there from now until the wedding. Oh, yeah. That wedding. I'm afraid that's been called off, Ben. You see, Artis and I have other plans. We got a wedding of our own coming up. Well, you dirty liar! Now, if either one of you draws, he's drawn against me. I wouldn't draw on him, Marshal. I feel kind of sorry for him. So help me, Shut up, Marshall. both of you. Gonna... Now, you both had your say. And each knows how the other one stands. Well, here's my stand. If Ben wants to keep a guard at her house, it's all right with me. You've had a fair warning, Frank. So stay away. 
I wish he would try to bother her. And on the other hand, Ben, Frank's got as much right to the run of the town as you or me or anybody else. Sure, as long as decent citizens hide their valuables. You can't go by rumors, Ben. Nobody ever proved a case against him, you know that. A piece of stout rope would prove I wouldn't try it, Ben. If you and your boys want a drink now, go on over to the Longhorn. Stay out of the Texas Trail here from now on. You, Frank, stay clear of the Longhorn. You're quite an optimist, Marshal. Yeah, maybe so. Well, are you leaving, Ben? Yeah. I'll be seeing you, Frank. Come on, boy. Frank, you've got nothing to gain here and everything to lose. Miss Nash has made a choice, and whatever was between you once is water down the river. Why don't you pull out? Because she's still my girl, Matt. I know, and she knows, too. You wait and see. <laughs> you move, man. And let's see now. So I move there. You move there. Jump in my king, block the whole corner. No. Nah. But if I move here... <laughs> oh, Mr. No. Mr. Dillon, you, you can move. No, you don't, Chester. No, you don't. I'm playing Matt. Not the both of you. Well, Chester and I kind of run together, Doc. Enforcing the law, that's fine. Playing checkers, no. Matt, <laughs> it's still your move. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. There. <laughs> well, I'll be... Uh, that, that's the move I was going to tell you to make, Mr. Dillon. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, Chester. Uh, 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 Doc, you're beat. Let's call a game. Yeah, you sneaked up on me. That's what you did. You snuck up on me. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right, huh? It sure is a quiet night. I figured one of them two would make a play before this. Yeah. And if we can get past noon tomorrow with Ben and Artis married... Well, even Craig ought to know when he's beaten. Uh, I don't know, Matt. He never did when he was here before. Well, then he better learn. Trying to get a girl to change her mind is one thing. Bothering a married woman's another. You know, Mr. Dillon, it seems to me Miss Artis Nash is the one that could put a stop to all this. If she'd just speak her mind out plain... Matt! Wa- Matt! Oh, Kitty. now, what's the matter with Kitty, what's Matt, the... Matt, the... they want you over at the express office right away? You too, Doc. Well, what's me? wrong? Hold up, Matt. Somebody shot the clerk. He's dying. Will you let me through here, please? I'm sorry, mister. One side, please. Yes, one side, please. All right, stand back now. Give us some room here. Can you get through, Doc? Yeah, Matt, I can get through. Yeah, uh, stand back, step back. Chester, will you move him back? Make him stand back. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Yes, uh, let me have a look now. Just let me have a look. How does it look, Doc? Uh, well, there's a lot of bleeding, Matt. I don't know. Uh, I'll do what I can. Mr. Mr. Dillon. Easy now, fella. You're going to be all right. It was one man, Mr. Dillon. Wearing a mask over his face. Red silk handkerchief. A red silk handkerchief? Well, Frank Craig's the only man in town. Yeah. I know.
We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, tomorrow night, Vaughn Monroe and his musical company settle down for an evening's melody-making at Duke University. Eileen Woods is Vaughn's guest songbird. Band leader Vaughn, the Moon Maids, and the Moon Men join in playing and singing the top tunes of the week. Enjoy every bit of it tomorrow night on CBS Radio. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Bedrolls here, Chester. All his belongings. Man doesn't leave his stuff in a rooming house unless he's planning to come back to it. He might have got the wind up after he shot that clerk. Maybe he just hit the saddle and lit out. No, not Frank. That's one thing about him. I've never seen him scared. He'll be here sooner or later. I can't figure him, Mr. Dillon. He must have needed the money awful bad. Yeah, I guess so. My, this hiding out in the dark gets on a man's nerves, don't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Help some if we could just smoke. I don't suppose... Shh. Somebody's coming, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I hear him. That's him, all right. Now watch it, Chester. All right, hold it, Frank, and don't move. It's Matt Dillon. Thought it might be somebody else. Light the lamp, Chester. Yes, Mr. Dillon. Frank, I understand you left the Texas Trail right after dark. Nobody's seen you since. Where you been? Just friendly conversation, Marshal, or is this official? It's official. Then I guess I won't answer that. I see you're still wearing that red silk handkerchief. Any reason why I shouldn't be? Marshal, what's it all about? Murder. If that express clerk dies. I ask you, what's it all about? Where's the money, Frank? The way I seem to get it, somebody held up the express office and shot the clerk. You're accusing me. I didn't do it, Marshal. Where you been? Sorry, Marshal. You're under arrest, Frank. No, I'm afraid not. See, that would ruin all my plans. You better lay your gun on the table over there. I'm sorry, Marshal. Some other time! Look out for the lamp! Grab him, Chester! Don't shoot, but grab him! Oh, he went through the window, Mr. Dillon! Never mind, Chester. Grab a blanket. Let's get this fire out before it burns the whole place down. Come on! Don't look so sour. In an hour, it'll all be over. Ah, Kitty, I'd be a lot surer of that if I had Frank Craig locked up in jail. No trace of him, huh? Not a sign. Then forget about him, Matt. He could be halfway to Wyoming by now. Well, I wish I could think so. I wonder what artist Nash is thinking about him. What business has she got thinking about him when she's going to marry Ben in an hour? Matt. <laughs> 
I'm afraid you'll just never understand women. Well, who does? Frank Craig's a born drifter. He'll never settle down. He's wild as a range colt. Never been broken, never will be. And sooner or later, he'll come home tight across his saddle. How any girl can get herself interested in a man like that beats me. Not me, Matt. I know exactly how a girl can get herself interested in a man like that. What? I'll see you at the wedding. I got to help artists finish dressing. Morning, Miss Kitty. Morning, Doc. <laughs> hey, good morning, Matt. You working up your courage? What for, Doc? I'm not getting married. Uh, how's the express clerk? Oh, he's bad. And he's getting worse. I don't think he's going to make it. What about Frank Craig? Nothing, not a sign. I think he's still around town somewhere, but we Morning, can't Mr. find Morning, Mr. Dillon. Well, Doc? Doc, look at that. Well, look at An alpaca coat, <laughs> boiled shirt, green galluses, and a pink silk tie. <laughs> oh, well, Chester, I haven't seen a get-up like that since I hauled out of Boston. <laughs> well, I figured it was only due respect to the bride. Uh, well, where, where's your gun, Chester? Oh, goodness gracious, Mr. Dillon, you can't wear a gun to a wedding. Well, at this wedding, even the bridegroom's wearing a gun, Chester. I'm wearing one, and so are you, so you better go get it. Meet me at the church. So pretty, I wish I was marrying her myself. You better forget it, Chester. Ben's got enough worries as it is. He sure does look fidgety, all right. Yeah, he's got reason to. Hey, room for me here, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah sure, Kitty. Oh, here, Kitty. slide right in here. Yeah. Here we are. My dearly beloved friends and neighbors, it is the privilege of all of us to be gathered here together in the sight of the Lord and in the presence of one another for the purpose of uniting this man and this woman in the bonds of holy matrimony. It won't be long now, this Mr. Dillon. Yeah, the sooner the better. Barbara Artis Nash and Benjamin Martin, there is, I am sure, no need <coughs> to emphasize the solemn and sacred nature of the great institution into which they are about to enter. I never heard all of this before. You still want to marry her, Chester? Beyond and above the decay and corruption of the flesh and the devil. Your manifest presence as you come here together and forsaking all others. Stand hand in hand. Look at the back of the church. Yeah, Frank Craig. He's just standing there, Mr. Dillon, just standing there and looking. Slide out to the side aisle, Chester. Maybe we can get to him quietly without breaking up the meeting. I think it's already broken up, man. Artist fainted, Mr. Dillon. She fell right on the floor. Yeah. Come on, Chester. Pardon me. Uh, would you let me through, please? I I'm sorry, lady. Would you? One side, please. Huh? He was right here by the door. Outside, Chester. Uh, hell, no sign of it. Matt, did you find him, Matt? Not yet, Ben. <laughs> Put that gun away. You want to kill some bystander in the crowd? There's only one man I want to kill. I should have done it three days ago. Yeah, I know, Ben. What'd they do with Miss Nash? You carried her into the minister's study. 
that dirty low, walking right into the church, scared her out of her wits. Marshal, Marshal Dillon. Oh, over here, Reverend. Marshal, a terrible thing has happened. He forced his way into my study, pushed me out the door. Craig? Yes, he had a horse tied behind the church. He's gone and taken her with him. He's kidnapped her, Matt. He's kidnapped her. Save your breath, Ben. Get your horse. Come on, Chester, let's ride. I did think we'd get back to town, Mr. Dillon. I'm saddled, sore, and beat. <sighs> yeah, Chester. A hundred men hunting him, and he slips past all of them. I swear I just can't figure it. <clears throat> Any trace of him, Matt? Uh, uh, not a sign, Kitty. Some of the boys are still beating the riverbed south, but I don't know. Guess he kind of made fools of us, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I guess so, Chester. What? Any luck? Yeah, sure, Doc. All bad. Yeah, mine too, man. That clerk died a half hour ago. Yeah. So now it's murder, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, now it's murder. Hold up, boy. Well, let's go into the office and get out a bulletin. A bulletin. What a good dad will do. <laughs> Light the lamp, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. Here we are. Hold it, Matt. You too, Chester. Don't move. <laughs> the only place nobody'd ever think of looking. Right here in the jail. Yeah, that's what we figured. Well, Miss Nash, you seem to be in pretty fair shape for a kidnapped victim. I'm not a victim of anything, Mr. Dillon. Unless it's my own foolishness. That's what most people would say, I guess. Maybe they're right. I only know this. When Frank came back to town, I knew then that it wasn't over and never would be. I'm Frank's girl, Mr. Dillon. For better or worse, right or wrong. I'm going with him to Wyoming. He's wanted on suspicion of murder, Miss Nash. He didn't do it. He couldn't have. He was with me when it happened. What did you say? He slipped past Ben's guards and came to see me. That's why he wouldn't tell you where he'd been. He didn't want to get me in trouble. He's telling the truth, Marshal. Yeah, maybe. Mr. Dillon, you might ask Ben Martin what happened to my red silk scarf. I missed it right after he came to see me that afternoon. Go on. He didn't do it for the money. To ruin me once and for all. If we were lying, we wouldn't have come here, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, it makes sense, all right, but... It... Chester, who rode up out there? It's Ben Martin, Mr. Dillon. I think he's coming in here. Where's your horse, Frank? In the corral back of the jail. All right, go out the back way. Get it and head for Wyoming. Take one of my extra horses and leave it at Bison Flats. You can buy another horse from the Indians there. Matt, I... Don't know how we can ever thank you never for it. Never mind you. that. Just get going for I change my mind. And uh, good luck to both of you. Thanks, Mr. Dillon. Anybody here? Yeah, come on in, Ben. 
Throw the light on. Figured you must be here. Any sign of him? What's the matter? The clerk died. Why'd you do it, Ben? I don't know what you mean. Where's the red scarf you stole from Miss Nash? I gotta arrest you for murder, Ben. I don't think so, Matt. I don't think I'm gonna let you do that. You've seen me draw before. Now you better give me your gun, Ben. Don't do it the hard way. What you call the hard way, Matt, may be the easiest way of all. So win or lose, I guess... Something fell out of his pocket there. Yeah. His marriage license. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Herb Ellis, Viffy Janis, Tom Tully, and Bar- Barney Phillips. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Strange Island tells the remarkable story of a tropical paradise that sank into the sea. Hear all about it on Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, tomorrow night on most of these same stations. Hear about the miracle that saves Tarzan from drowning and brings the island back from the sea. Remember, it's yours for thrills on tomorrow night's exciting adventure with Tarzan. Created by Edgar Rice Burroughs and brought to you now by CBS Radio. Clancy Cassell speaking. And remember, Broadway's My Beat brings you startling mysteries Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network.